Every night, now that's not culture. I reminisce with bliss. So when I first approached you, then wake up to be greeted by an argument again. Maybe we better all friends. So insecure. If I take too long at the store, you trying to start the third world war. And you don't know the pain I feel when I see you laughing. That's the music of my good friend, New Jersey recorder, artist, and producer extraordinaire, Enrichment. That's his song, Front Door. My name is Luke Capetta, and welcome to the second episode of Another Mediocre Podcast. With this episode, I have my first guest. It's Mike Avila. He is an Emmy Award-winning TV producer, and today we're going to be talking about his Sci-Fi Wire documentary about the birth of Image Comics, when seven of Marvel Comics' most well-known and best-selling artists the part of the company to form their own creator-owned organization. I hope you like it, and thanks for listening. Welcome once again to another Mediocre Podcast. I'm your host, Lou Capetta. We are on our second official episode, and with that, we have our first official guest. Now, my guest today is an Emmy award-winning TV producer who has worked for NBC, CBS, ABC, Sci-Fi. He's been a pop culture commentator appearing on Fox News, CBS, WPIX-TV. His work can currently be seen all over SciFiWire.com, including a recent five-part docuseries called So Much Damage, The Oral History of Image Comics. Mike Avila, how are you? Hey, thanks for having me here. <laughs> yeah, no problem. We're just gonna do, I'm just gonna do the real quick our, our fake audience right there. There it is. They, they love you. <laughs> uh, that's enough of them. Um, <laughs> all right, so uh, I'm a mediocre podcast. Come on. <laughs> I I don't like to. My whole life has been built around setting the bar just so I could jump over it. You know what I mean? That's why my wife doesn't ask me to do too many chores or anything like that. So. You set the Dewey example from Scream. Yeah, that's right. It yeah. That's very smart. Oh, man. Okay. Um, now, I immediately uh, wanted to talk to you as soon as I watched the the, the docuseries, uh, the five-part series on Image Comics. I grew. I loved comics. I, I drew my own comics. I, I I was really into all those guys um, that went to Image when they were with Marvel, and I consequently followed them over to uh, Image. Now, what what? How did you come up with the idea for this? Was this your idea? Was this your baby, or was it a uh, like a group effort? Or you know, it's interesting. The idea actually came from uh, John Irwin, the senior producer at, at Sci Fi Video. Uh, John and I have been buddies for a, for a long time, and we work together on a lot of the video projects that you see me work on at uh, Sci-Fi. And um, John is younger than me, and he really got into comic fandom right at that time when Image was launching. Um, I'm, I, I was a big fan of Image at the time because I was I was a lifelong comics fan, but I was a little bit older. So his reaction to Image was different than mine. 
And so he came to me one day and I was telling him, like, well, look, I, I really wanted to do more long form video pieces for sci-fi. We just really started getting committed to doing uh, a lot of video. And John said, you know, it's an idea I want to do. I want to do something on image comics. Um, it's the 25th anniversary. And I said, dude, that's a great idea. And we, I think we were discussing it earlier this year when we were shooting something at Rancho Obi-Wan, the Star Wars Museum in San Francisco. Oh, wow. And drinks after shooting that, yeah, which is an awesome visit, by the way. Um, and, you know, we're off the high of that. And, you know, going to that place was amazing. And we're, 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 we're high on adrenaline and ideas and imagination. And he, he mentioned the idea to me. I said, let's do it. Before the end of that night, I'd emailed him back. Once I got back to the hotel room, I'd emailed him uh, a quick outline of how the piece should go. Now, th- thankfully, the image story is pretty easily told um, because there's so much inherent drama and history behind it. Right. Um, and I said, look, this is how we can do it. And this is who we need to talk to. These are the beats we need to hit. And yada, yada. We sent that and we just kept working on it from there. Um, and then it's just a matter of me lining up uh, the interviews and, and getting the guys to talk to me. How hard was that? Was that it, it depends who you're talking about. It depends. <laughs> um, I knew relatively early on I, I would get most of the guys. Um, right. um, Todd McFarlane was easier than I thought. Um, really? He's a great first guy to talk to because Todd McFarlane lives an awesome life as Todd McFarlane. Yeah, he's a man. He's in total I don't give a fuck mode because he's Todd McFarlane. And as he puts it, he goes – not a big shot, but I got my nice little fiefdom, and I'm good yeah. with that. And he likes having total control over things, and he revels in in being Todd. He's a really interesting guy, and because he's so honest, he gives me um, he gave me a really good baseline. So from him, we hadn't even gotten the approval officially from Sci-Fi yet, but then they saw the, the McFarlane interview, right. and they were so happy with it. They said, "Great, go ahead." So then we you know we tackled. Um, trying to get some of the other guys. Will Portacio, we talked to a little bit at San Diego Comic-Con. Um, then we we arranged to talk to Jim Lee, who I've been friends with Jim for a while. Okay. And, you know, because of his job at DC, it's it's kind of tricky. You know, there's some corporate politics there uh, to have him go talk about a, a rival publisher. Right. But uh, thankfully, uh, DC and I have a good relationship too. And um, they gave me about 45 minutes with Jim, which is very helpful because he hasn't talked about Image that much in, in recent years. Right. Um, and he's obviously a key factor. I mean, they're all, all seven of them are really important. But if, if you have to narrow it down, the three most important voices I think to a lot of people are going to be Lee, Liefeld, and McFarland. Right. Um, and then Jim Valentino, he lives in, in Portland. And I tracked him down and I got him to say yes. Uh, thanks to Colleen Doran, uh, very famous comic artist who worked on Sandman and a ton of other books. Right, right. I was with Colleen, and I guess Jim checked with her, and they're good buddies, and she vouched for me, so he said, okay. Because he's not really big on doing interviews. Uh, the two toughest uh, folks to do were uh, Liefeld and um, Eric Larson. Um, Eric is very particular, I found, and... He's also very busy because he does his whole comic book every month. Right, right. Dragon, that's his thing. That's what he wants to do. He doesn't want to do five different books or any of that crap. Right. Um, so I had to find a time that he wasn't busy. And I flew up to San Francisco and spent 24 hours there to go talk to him. Wow. It was like 
Got off the plane, went, sat down, did the interview, got back on the plane and left. Um, and then I talked with Rob. Uh, he was the last guy I talked to because I couldn't, I couldn't align it and figure out the logistics. Right. And then we got him three a month before the documentary uh, dropped. Oh, wow. It was very late in the game right. um, because kept uh, delaying it and delaying it. And finally, we, we made it work. Oh, wow. I want to talk about Rob uh, a little bit later too, because yeah. But one of the things I really wanted to now I know there was another image documentary I think a couple of years ago I watched yeah. that. Um, but one of the, one of the the best things about yours was that I really felt you were coming like as a fan. I, I mean I know obviously you have a lot of connections and in in, the, in in your industry and, and things of that nature, but I mean like you. I was watching it as if I was you sitting there asking these guys these questions. I mean, you could really tell when you were talking to Jim and and uh, Todd and, and and that you were really into it. You were a fan. Did you come across that way on purpose, or is that just genuinely you were excited to do this? Uh, a little bit of both. Or am, I, I mean, am I off on on that? I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm, I'm I'm definitely a fan. I mean. God, how miserable would it be to be a, a guy doing comic book interviews if you're not a comic book fan? Jeez. Right. Well, just, or just jaded you know? by, you know, like. No, no. I mean, the thing is, I'm a comic book fan, but as, as I joke around with, with, with Jim a lot, I go, you know, Jim, you're my buddy and all, but I was always more of a Todd guy. <laughs> Even back when they were at Marvel. Right. I loved right. the X-Men. I liked X-Force and, and whatnot and Cable, but I loved McFarlane Spider-Man. So he was always my guy. And Image, I was a really big Spawn fan. It just transferred well. Even yeah. though, you know, the writing, it took a while to get going. I was always more drawn to Spawn and, and actually Shadowhawk than I was to some of the other books. Right. Um, so for me, yeah, I'm a comic book fan, but I think it helps that I didn't have as emotional a tie to it as I would if I was doing the history of Todd McFarlane Spider-Man, like that great T-shirt you're wearing right. there. Oh, yeah. This is my uh... – <laughs> Todd McFarlane Class. was my guy. He was a, I tried to draw like him and everything. I mean, I was a pretty decent artist growing up. Uh, he was the man to me. I, I, I loved uh, McFarlane. I went right from Spider-Man, just like you, right to right to Spawn. Yeah, yeah. I, I followed him blindly. Um, and, and, and I loved all the other guys. I bought all those books, too. But I wasn't a, an uber-image fanboy like Robert Kirkman, who that was his jam, right? Right. Um, so I think that kind of helped me to find a nice balance of – Enthusiasm, enthusiasm from a fan's point of view and also being able to ask what I hope were some decent questions. Okay, so I'm going to get into Rob. Now, you, you sure. said that, you, <laughs> you, said that sure. you, uh, you know, it was hard to talk to him. Now, I, I'm pretty sure that you saw some of his tweets. He, yeah, he wasn't very happy yeah. with the, the final he, he product. Was, and I'll say this. I go, the delays in talking with him, and I know he, there may be some things posted on, on the internet about it uh, from him. But I was dealing with his publicist and we had made contact with him at a Philadelphia convention and he was mm-hmm. all to take part in it. Um, we would have talked to him in San Diego, but his scheduling got messed up and then it just became logistics. Um, yeah. I, was, I was happy to go to him. Um, so I know his, his, his comments, whether it's Facebook or Twitter, I don't remember where, kind of hinted that he was hesitant about doing it. Everything I got from the publicist that represents him was that it was just, you know, a timing issue. And he sat down with us and we, we were supposed to be done in an hour. 
I talked with him for 90 minutes. And oh, wow. there was, you know, I asked him all the questions that I wanted to ask him. He answered them. To his credit, he answered every question. Um, right. Looked at the face and answered them. And I gave him the same respect of asking him the, the questions that I need to ask him. Um, if somebody wants to tell me what it is that, that set him off in the documentary, I'd love to know. Because one thing yeah. I would – our documentary – and I, I saw the image revolution uh, a while back, and I've read uh, the George Coros. I think it was George Corey or George Coros. George Corey. He wrote a book on, on the image guys. Um, read that, and I've read a lot about image, and I've talked to a lot of people about it, and I've talked to the image guys at various points about it. Um, I don't know necessarily how much new ground we broke in terms of some of the more controversial elements of the image story. But we addressed them, and I felt we addressed them in a fair way, and we gave everybody a chance to to get their say in things if there was some controversy around it. Um, so, yeah, I saw the tweets because uh, yeah. oh, block me, you know, I saw them. Um, I have no idea what set him off because yeah. well, he didn't I, elaborate I know what the, either because uh, I even added him. I I follow him on. On Twitter as well, but even I read all his tweets. He he never elaborated. He just I don't know so, what it is. I mean, I've seen some other things that he didn't get enough credit. He got plenty of credit. Yeah, he's, he's the guy who came up with the initial idea. Yeah, that's the very uh, first in, in the very first episode. That's the dude who designed the logo. There, I wasn't shorting anybody any credit. Rob Liefeld's contributions to Image Comics cannot be understated or devalued. Right. It's there. It's in, it's on the historical record and. We wanted to capture that. But when you're telling the story uh, of a company that changed an industry, literally changed an entire industry and really impacted pop culture in a great way, you've got to tell the whole story. And sometimes you've got to get into some of the uncomfortable things. I don't love having to sit across somebody and ask them about being accused by a fellow partner about right. allegedly poaching some artist, right? I don't like doing that. But I have to ask that question if it comes up because – the fact that Rob Liefeld quit Image, a company that he started, is something that needs to be addressed. Right. And, and to his credit, he answered that question. He answered the question to my face. And it was great. We moved along. I, I thought he was happy with the interview. Clearly, I misread him. <laughs> Clearly, I misread him because we also made it a point to not – we initially wanted to do these as three- to five-minute episodes you know, for the internet generation and whatnot. Right, right. And then the more interviews we got, and actually I, we decided this when I came back from California and I had interviewed Silvestri and Lee in the same day. Okay. Like literally I had two crews set up and because of a scheduling sniff, we had to run between Mark Silvestri's condo and the DC offices. Literally like, okay, Mark, uh, can I buy you lunch and can my crew go get lunch and then I'm going to leave all this gear here and I'm going to go run to DC's office and go talk to Jim and then run back. Thankfully, Mark's a great guy. His wife, yeah. Bridget, is very accommodating. and Jim and Mark are, are, are buds too, so I think that kind of helped. Right. Uh, so I did that and we came back from, from, from that shoot and I remember talking to John, John Irwin, who I mentioned earlier, and I said, there's no way we're going to make these three to five minute episodes. There's no way. Because everyone will be talking in three to five second sound bites. And these guys are really good talkers. And they give really good insight. And they're all very honest. And there was no way we are going to do justice to the story by shorting it. So we automatically made the decision we we're going to go to much longer episodes. And part of that was to make sure that the story got out in the clearest and fairest way. And that everybody 
got a chance to tell their side. Because there are a couple points, and it wasn't just between Rob and, say, Mark Silvestri and when Valentino weighs in on it. But, you know, Valentino and Larson, you know, they addressed their issues for when Larson took over as publisher uh, from Valentino. The documentary, Jim wasn't happy about that. And, you know, he he pointed out, and then I asked Eric about it, and Eric weighed in on it. Um, And again, like I said, it's not... Not the most pleasant of topics. I'd much rather talk about, you know, the awesome days when they were selling half a million copies of each book and, right. you know, the fans taking Jim Lee's car outside Golden <laughs> Apple. That was amazing. I never knew that. That, I mean, I, didn't know I that. knew that comics were big then, but I didn't realize that they were like that. I don't know how old you are. I'm, I'm, I'm 46. So I was, I was just going to college uh, around that time when these guys were blowing Marvel up. And, you know, I was going in. to the store to buy the, the X-Men number one issues. I remember. Yeah. And I remember having to wait in a line to spend that money. Think about that. When was yeah. the last time you had to go to the comic book store and had to wait in line to spend money? Uh, when was the last time, you know, you even found a comic book store? I, I mean, uh, I I know very, very few. I, I'm, I'll i be 40 in uh, in February. So I nope. uh, I remember that. I mean, that that was like. You know, beginning of high school years. Yeah, teenager where maybe you're getting distracted with some other interests. But, like, I was starting to lose a little interest in comics when these guys started turning Marvel around and making it, you know, uh, a place with all these awesome books. So when Image blew up, I mean, I remember the mania around it. And this was pre-internet days. This was reading the buyer's guide and seeing the sales figures and for the first time ever caring about it. So, I mean – like, people don't realize just how big a deal it was. Like, I remember going to see a comic book show in Miami. And, you know, back then Miami got one comic book show a year at a Howard Johnson's Motor Lodge. But they'd get <laughs> some really good tests. And one year, and I think it was Image's first year, they had Jim Lee, Todd McFarlane, maybe one of the other guys. And I'm telling you, the line to meet these guys was 800 deep. 800 wow. deep. It was absolute insane and they signed everybody's comics and it was absolute pandemonium had never seen any of that before for comics and this isn't like a comic-con where it's like an actor doing an autograph signing at the warner brothers booth right in diego this two comic book artists signing comics it was amazing so like yeah all that stuff is 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 amazing and it's really interesting to see i think one of the most interesting things for me was to hear the guys reflecting on it now i think it was it was good to do this at 25 Mm -hmm as opposed to 10 years uh, ago or, you know, when it was at the 10th anniversary or the 15th anniversary, just because I think enough time has come by that I think they've kind of made peace with whatever mistakes they made. And some of the guys were honest, like Todd and Jim, they talked about, you know, Jim wished he could, he could draw more. He would have drawn more back then and not get so caught up in the business side of things. Uh, Todd recognized that they made mistakes with the the books shipping late and everything. I remember that. That was, that was big. I mean, especially with, Live yeah, stuff uh, always, always late. But but then you look at them now. Not only are these guys do they have the the wisdom of of time and hindsight to look back on things, but they've also got the experience that they've all gone on to be really big deals in comics in various ways. Bunch of them have become moguls, and they've all learned to run their companies the right way. I mean, Jim ran Wildstorm for years and years, sold it to DC, and then. He's now co-running DC with Dan Didio. Uh, Rob has, has, has run mul- multiple publishing uh, imprints. 
Valentino the same. He was publisher of Image. Uh, McFarland doing the toy company thing. Wills decided to be, you know, Wills took a different path and Wills ended up focusing on his art, which is what he always wanted to do. And one, his art is still amazing. I don't know if you've seen some of the variant covers he's done for Suicide Squad. Yeah, I have. I, I He was, uh, even his uh, since his X Factor days, I mean, he was always, I thought he was always very uh, underrated because I thought he was every bit as good as, you know, uh, Jim and awesome. Todd. Yeah, Wilson's, Wilson's artwork is, is phenomenal. And, you know, he he told me, I, I wish we could have put this in there, but one of the things that he, he told me about was that what he learned over the years was his calling was to be a teacher and to te- teach students. When I talked to him in San Diego, we talked a lot about the students uh, that, he, that, that he's taught uh, with his school in the Philippines and, and, and really finding new comic artists. That's what he's really passionate about and just work on the board every night. You know, if you follow him on Instagram, every night he's got a different art project right. that he shows up on the board, which it tells you that's what he wanted to do. Forgot to mention, Larson was probably the purest of the comic book guys of those guys. He, he was happy to get back to just doing his, his one oh, comic book. And he like still he does it. With a pencil and, a, and I think a, a pad, you know, drawing the last Savage Dragon issue. It's kind of amazing how single-minded and dedicated he is to that. But then you got Mark Silvestri, who's the unsung hero of, of the group because Top Cow's been insanely successful. Had TV adaptations, games. Um, Blade. Yeah, you know, the darkness has been incredibly successful. He's had a lot of main successes, and he's still drawing a lot. He also showed me some pages from an upcoming art project that's ridiculous, and it's going to yeah. blow people's heads open when, when it drops. It's going to be awesome. Um, it was pretty cool. But he swore me to secrecy, so I can't say anything. <laughs> it's going to be pretty amazing when it finally drops. And the art is just, holy crap. Yeah, so uh, he was always to... really good too. He's yeah. another guy I felt always felt was um, underrated with, uh, how, maybe not underrated because all the all those guys like uh, they thought he was the best artist. I, I think Todd yeah. really said it, and too, yeah, they all thought he was the best. You know, and he was also the best comic book artist. Which for these guys, when they say it, when, when artists like that say it, they're talking about. The art of telling the story, not just the, the best pl- splash page right. or the best right. pinup. Like, I mean, Mark was doing the X Men with Chris Claremont right at the end of, of, of the peak. You, you know, that whole Fall yep. of the Mutants era, late '80s. I mean, so he was rocking and rolling on, on Marvel's top book, and he was killing it on there because the story came first for him. He, he could draw, you, you know, splash pages with the best of them, but right. man, he could right. draw an eight-panel page as good as anybody because he knew how to tell a story so i thought it was really interesting to get each of their takes on on, on each other and and hear what they thought of the other guys now that is interesting because i i, I feel like they have this very um they're going to be linked together forever those seven guys that that started and i feel like they have this very strange dynamic almost because uh, you can tell there's there's some good-natured competition there's also some animosity but they still seem to have oh i guess i would say like a, a brotherhood is that is that fair did you get that from them yeah, i didn't get the animosity any from them just because i think enough time has passed that all that stuff is water under the bridge 
Um, you know, they're successful enough in their own lines of work. They don't need to work with each other if they don't want to work with each other. Right. And a couple times they have. Um, I mean, Todd is the ultimate ball buster. And I think he likes busting Jim's chops because Jim is hardly ever there at their panels and whatnot because mm-hmm. of the DC thing. So Jim, by default of not being there, gets gets hammered the most of those panels. Right. Um, look, I, I got a lot of affection from all those guys about Rob. Um, really? Mark wanted to make sure to point out that, that he thought him and Rob were were good. Um, Valentino still considers Rob a dear friend. He's known Rob longer than he's known any of those guys. You know, he was the first Jim was guy the, that Rob Jim, talked to, uh, right? He was the first guy that, that Rob talked to about the idea. So they go way back. Um yeah, I don't. I, I didn't get animosity as much as you know. Yeah, like like uh, kind of like a dysfunctional family type vibe, because these guys really went through the the ringer on things, and a couple of them are really close. Um, I'll let them talk about that because I don't want to go in and, and assume things, but right, you know, they they all seem to get along, and I've been out with, with a couple of them, out socially like a con where you run into them, and yeah, they they all get along great. I mean, it's twenty five years now. Grown us. Remember, yeah. these guys were really successful at a really young age. That's tough to do. I mean, insanely successful. Um, then they had to learn on the job, and they had to learn other skills while right. doing their day job, which was drawing comics. Right. So, I get it, you know. And it's not like they were working in the same office. They were all scattered about. It's, it, comic books is a, it's, it's a very weird industry in terms of how you work together with somebody. You know, a, a writer and an artist can partner up on a book for a decade and maybe not see each other except once a year right, at, an, wow. at a published retreat or at a, at a comic book show. So it's interesting. But no, I think, yeah, I think the brotherhood family type uh, illusion is, is, is correct. I think they, they one, I think they've all, they've all kind of realized, man, we did something really cool. And they've seen how it's changed the industry for, for no doubt. They see it. And I think. Now enough time has passed that they can all sit back and say, you know what, we should we should damn well be proud of it. Obviously, Mark, Jim, Eric, and Todd uh, have a vested interest in promoting the image, uh, code, credo, whatever you want to say, because right. they're still partners there. Um, but I think they still believe in it. Hey, Todd's never my honestly maybe my favorite part of the documentary is, is McFarland, you know, doubling down on his. Why the hell would I ever want to go back and draw somebody else's characters? Right. You know? Well, he, and that's, that is the one of the coolest things that I, I got from it is that, I mean, Todd hates Marvel. I guess Marvel and DC, or at least it comes across that way. I, I, I don't it seems think like he, he wants to. Marvel, you know, so I think that. he hates the idea of working for somebody else. Right. And I think he hates the idea of work for hire because it left a really bad taste in his mouth. And he. Todd is a really principled guy. And I say this having just spent a couple hours talking with him. I, I won't profess to say I'm friends with Todd. I am not right. friends with Todd. Right. I, I, it's great to be friends with Todd because he's a cool dude. But I, I got the sense that he's a very principled guy. Mm-hmm. And a guy who, who, once he has his mindset, he's not changing it. And working at Marvel left a really bad taste in his mouth to this day. Um, less about Marvel, per se, and just about those standard industry practices of here we're going to pay you x amount of dollars per page and i don't care how awesome you do and what you create for us and what characters you add to our fold that's all you get you know to quote my four-year-old daughters saying from school you get what you get and you don't get upset (laughs) well todd doesn't believe in that right screw that 
I'll get upset if you're if you're screwing me over. And that's how he felt about it. And he stuck to his guns and look, it's paid off for him. He, no one can say he made a wrong call. He made the absolute right call. Look at the empire that he's built, right? Yeah. That doesn't mean I, I get I, I thought that Liefeld and Lee, when they went back to do Heroes Reborn, it's a smart move. It was financially smart. Right. Um, it got to work with cool characters and they probably got paid a ton of money to do it. So I get that. But Todd is very hard line on, on that stand. He says, if you want to be a successful creator owned comic book writer, artist, you got to commit. And I see the, I, I kind of see the wisdom in that. Well, all those guys seem to have, and I remember this a lot from, uh, when when the image first started, because there was a lot of talk about uh, Jack Kirby, they they, they, they were all yeah. very aware of what happened with Jack Kirby and how he created all those characters for Marvel. And I mean, he he didn't get anything really. Uh, he was I, from, yeah. from what I understand, he worked up until his death, right? Yeah. So I yeah, mean, he did. And Jack's story is the cautionary tale that all young. Uh, Comic book creators should should uh, know well and commit it to memory, so that they know um, that even the greatest comic book artist of all time. And by the way, that can't be argued. Right. That's a. He's the Babe Ruth is, of uh, comic book that art. That argument is, is is it's not an argument. It's not up for debate. Kirby is king, and there's nobody in their right mind who would argue otherwise, right? But those guys at Image worshipped Kirby. They were all fans of him. Some of them knew him. Well, as a matter of fact, I think all of them met him at some point. I, I kind of regret not finding this photo that Jim has, Jim Lee has, with Kirby at one show. Oh, at a, wow. At a show, and it was amazing. Um, but you know Valentino knew him a little bit because there's that story at the end of episode one of so much damage. But, oh, right, right, yep. You know, they all saw it, and they were like, if they could do that to Kirby, they could do it to all of us. And that's part of the reason why every comic book creator that came after Image owes these guys a debt of thanks, you know, great thanks and a debt of gratitude because they changed the game for them and, and allowed them to have a much better type, uh, standard of living to do this work. Because, man, I've, I've interviewed a lot of old-time comic book guys that didn't make any money, and they created unbelievable amounts of work. And by the way, guys who created, like, characters every month right. on a line. You know, you go back to this, the seven, you know, the Bronze Age – and into the early modern age of comics, these writers and artists were still creating new characters on a monthly basis that they would get no royalties off of. So, you know, the image guys came along, and what's the big takeaway? If you're working for Marvel or DC, unless you're Brian Bendis, you're going to, you know, right, right. you're a work for hire guy. Hold those great ideas that you have and don't drop them in as the villain du jour for Spider Man issue whatever right and put it in your back pocket and take them to to a creator owned uh imprint because why would you want to give that away for free they made comic book creators smarter and they made them they made them better businessmen because they became better businessmen once they started image because they realized they were much more valuable than they were being paid in the past and you know hey i'm a broad capitalist yeah i mean you know i love that you know, it's like, but then again, I'm one of those guys to go into sports for a minute and, and and delve there. I'm not one of those guys that hates when a player holds out for more money. Yeah, me you neither. I, I get it. They're greedy. They're, they're not greedy. It's their <laughs> body career. 
if the if the owners will pay it, they've got the money for it. Yep. So I'm all for the talent getting what they need to get paid. So I think, you know, when you talk about legacy, you know, we talked about that in the fifth installment of the series. That to me is the legacy that Image should be proudest of, is that they not only changed the business, they made it a better business for comic book creators. They made it an industry that people could go in and have a family and support them and not be destitute, you know, and, and to share in those profits that when something gets adapted, they get a piece of the action because that's how it should be. Yeah. I mean, they definitely forced a power shift to the guys that deserved it. Yeah, absolutely. It's made the business stronger because look at how great independent comics are. When I was a kid, I didn't buy anything but Marvel and some DC. Right. Now, when I go, now when I go to a comic book store, I'm delving into all the multitudes of of imprints that are out there and and sometimes buying random books that have nothing to do with superpowers and capes. Like my superheroes, but now I like to mix them in with a a bunch of indie books. And that is what Image helped bring to the table. They they brought more creators with different points of views, different stories, which is why I love talking to like Kelly Sue DeConnick and Matt Fraction for, for the Image doc because they're as different from... The original image books, right? As, as you can be, right? And their books are as different as as, as those original image books can be, right? Um, but they're as identifiable now with that company as anybody. You know, Brian K. Vaughn and and Fiona Staples on Saga, as as yep. uh, McFarland says. <laughs> Saga. <Yeah>. Saga. <laughs> it's Todd. He can pronounce it however he wants. Yep. Uh, but you know, that's a very different type of book. It's a sci-fi book. It's a sci-fi romance book. It's awesome. You know, uh, you know, Paper Girls, all these different books. They're so different. I remember one of my favorite image books of all time was Noble Causes about uh, a family of superheroes by Jay Fairburn. Awesome book. And it had superheroes in it, but it wasn't really a superhero book. Right. And I love that all these different types of books are now possible because of the, the diverse array of talent that have been attracted to comics because the image deal that Todd talks about. It is the best deal in town. Now I got one final question about the image documentary. And then I got one more, more question for you about something else that I thought you did was, that was really, really cool. But as far as the make, what was your favorite part about making the documentary? Like the, the thing that sticks out most is your favorite part about the whole image. Uh, favorite part. Um, favorite part. I mean, you know it happened off camera but when I went to go talk to Todd at his office and I'll say it because I'm a bit jaded I've talked to Jim a, a bunch I've talked to a, a, some of these guys a couple of times but right. when I went to talk to McFarland, I went to McFarland's headquarters in Phoenix um, and it's an amazing space Like, it's literally just an awesome place full of toys and all sorts of awesome stuff and, and Todd's office is as amazing as you would think it is oh, you know He's got an original animation cell from the Beatles, uh, uh, Yellow Submarine movie. Yeah. Had a sword, a prop sword from his favorite movie, Braveheart. There, um, wow. in an envelope behind his desk, he just whipped out the three baseballs that he paid like three million dollars for. Oh <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that. A couple of those big home run balls. Yeah, there's a picture of me on Instagram with those baseballs, and like he just had them laying there, insane. Um, <laughs> and I, I remember sitting down with him afterwards, and he knew I was a big. I'm a big uh, comic art collector, um, and I was telling him, I, I know some some uh, 
some friends who collect McFarlane art, which is insanely valuable. Yeah. Um, because it's impossible to find because he keeps all the Spawn art and all the Spidey art is locked away. So I was just talking about comic art. And I remember I, say, I, I said something to him about it and then he had to go do something in his office. And then he came back down and he sat down with me. And we proceeded to have like a conversation of about two hours about Spidey comic art and how he sold it. And this is he told me a fun story about how he inadvertently screwed Kirkman out of a page that oh. he helped the friends. <laughs> and because Kirk was a big uh, art collector, right. and it was just great shooting, the, you know, shooting the shit with him about this, and just having a conversation. I remember thinking, I go, "Wow, eighteen-year-old me would kind of be freaking out right now that I'm here talking about Spidey, <laughs> Todd freaking McFarlane." It, it, it was pretty cool. I mean, that that's up. I have a few other moments. That one was pretty good. Um, talking with Matt Fraction and Kelly Sue was great, just because they're two of the smartest people you'll ever talk to. Okay. So it was very, it was great. Um, but yeah, the, the Todd moment was probably tops among a series of highlights because it was a pretty fun project to work on, I got to say. Okay. Now, looking at some of your other videos, one of the coolest things that I saw, I, you interviewed Frank Miller and then you got to tour his studio. And I mean... I was my, and then you, you you guys found that uh, original Jack Kirby art page yeah, from the Forever People. Oh, I, that was just so like that, was, that had to be a, a a highlight of. Yeah, I mean, look, Frank is 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 on my Mount Rushmore of comic book people. So it, yeah, I've been very fortunate to talk with him quite a bit over the years, and I always kind of pinch myself afterwards and I go, I just can't believe I was talking to Frank freaking Miller. <laughs> yeah. you know? And, you know, that interview was, was really great for me because one, I thought he was really happy with Dark Knight 3. I thought him and Brian Azzarello uh, pulled off a story that I think satisfied everyone involved, the whole creative team. I was really happy with it. I was really uh, a fan of Dark Knight 3. So I was happy to talk with him about it and it always makes it easier when I like the story that I'm talking to the comic right, artist right. about. And, and I thought it was a really, really well done story um, that did justice to the the legend of you know the Dark Knight brand. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought I thought it was great. I know some people may disagree, um, but, but man, I, I was really happy with it because I also think Carrie Kelly is one of the great characters of all time. I and, haven't read the third one yet, but I. Uh, oh God, I dude! The moment you get done with this. Get the two comic book store or Barnes and Noble because I know they sell it there. Yep. Get the hardcover. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, and you'll read it like this. I think in the collected edition, you'll zip right through it. Um, but I remember sitting there talking with him, and he hinted that he was doing something with Superman, up, you know, upcoming. And I couldn't get him to tell me, and it was because they hadn't locked in the artist. But he was doing. He's going to do year one Superman oh, with wow. John Romita Jr. Um, oh. it's John Romita Jr. Right after, yeah, I had talked to to John Romita Jr. Right after I talked to Frank, and he had told me off camera, "I'm doing something with Frank, but I can't talk to you about it." And I was like, "Is it? It's the project he was hinted at, but that's what it turned out to be." But the, you know, I, I got I got some grief on some of the YouTube comments in the Frank video, the the the, the office tour video, because some people thought, you know, you couldn't see the stuff and this and this. Here's the thing: I had 45 minutes with Frank. Right. I squeezed out an extra 15 because I think Frank was having a good time with it. And he kind of waved him off. But I was running out of time. So at the end, I was like, Frank. And then his studio is set up so well for like a walking tour. 
because he's an overgrown kid and he's got tons of great stuff there. And I said, like Frank, it. can you give us a tour? I go, and it was like, yeah, sure. But then he just started doing it. And it's like, if Frank Miller's going, that means we got to go. And I told my, my crew, I go, hey, just follow me as best you can and, you know, pan away to stuff and show me whatever he's, whatever I point to. That's why you see me pointing there all the time. So I'm trying to get my camera guys to follow through, but it's, it's in a closed space. We got two cameras. There was no rehearsal time, no, no walkthrough on it. It was like, okay, let's do this in two minutes. And that's it. It was one take. Wow. So we had to do it like that. And then I spot that artwork at the bottom. The, you know, one of Frank's, uh, one of Team Miller's people's in the back, like kind of giving me the eye, like, okay, we got to wrap this up. And I see that on the bottom and I said, hold on a second. And then I spot it and I go down and it's that page of comic art. Frank told me later it had been lost for like 10 years because oh. <laughs> it's been in that studio for years. Right. But they redid it, I guess, like 10, 12 years ago. And he hadn't seen it in forever. And let me tell you, and you found that is a very piece of comic art. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I bet. It's a very expensive piece of comic art, and it was wow. amazing. But, yeah, that, I'm glad you you, point, you pointed that one out because I had a really good time with, with that whole shoot. It looked like it. That was – that whole – it it did look a little bit like an impromptu tour and stuff, but that was kind of – that's what well, I liked about it. I, I That's what I really, really enjoyed about it because it was like – I felt like that's how I would be if I was sitting with Frank Miller. I'd be like, oh, man, what's this? Like, oh, this is cool, you know? And he seemed to really enjoy it just as much as you did. So I didn't even show half the stuff that he has there. He's oh, got man. so much cool stuff there. Oh, man, it's amazing. And he's a great guy to talk to, by the way. Frank is a gracious host, and he's also, because he's Frank Miller, he says whatever he wants. So you get a really good interview <laughs> with him. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Those are the best kind of people to talk to. So now, what, what's next for you? What are you, uh, what are you going to be doing? At any uh, pro- projects? Lining up some more interviews. Um, we we branded all those comic book interviews that that I, that I do uh, for Sci Fi Wire uh, that you see online. Mm-hmm. They're they're called Behind the Panel. So we're lining up a whole series of them for 2018. I've come up with a wish list of artists and writers um, that I want to talk to um, for the following year and. Uh, Hopefully, start seeing a few of them coming up in uh, January, and then uh, I've got a, I've got another big project that I want to uh, tackle for next year to follow on the line along the lines of so much damage. Um, can't announce that yet because it hasn't been approved yet. Oh, but okay. fingers crossed that was okay. And uh, yeah. if it all comes to, to fruition, you'll see that uh, in the second half of uh, 2018. Okay. Well, good luck with that, man. I hope it works. And out. it will be. Like, all right. Good. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, <laughs> I'm glad you liked uh, the image documentary. We're oh, very I, proud of it. And, I, and I'm I hoping that more fans keep finding it. I, I mean, I've, I've been telling everybody that I know that likes comics to, to check it out. So it's uh, it is a great job, man. I really, I really uh, appreciated the work that you did. So did a good Thanks, job. Man. And I, once again, I, I can't thank you enough for, for doing this with me. You know what I mean? Uh, trying to get my uh my stuff out there so this is a, a big help i really really appreciate my, it so my pleasure anytime you need something from me just uh, reach out and let me know oh man thank you i'm sure that i'll have questions because uh some some of this stuff gets uh it's not so much overwhelming but you know you, you don't know where to start sometimes although twitter is great because i reach out to people and they either are really nice or they just ignore you so 
You know, so it's great. <laughs> <laughs> Could be worse. Yep. Could be worse. That's right. That's how it is in my house. So I'm used to it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I know I said a half hour we went a little bit over, but um, thanks again, man. And uh, I'll be looking out for everything that you do and anything that I, I see I'll share and stuff like that. So I really appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. Have a good one. Happy holidays to you and your family. All right. You too, man. Thank you very much. Take care. Thank you for checking out another episode of Another Mediocre Podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe on iTunes or check us out on Spreaker.com. You can also check out AccordingToLewBlog.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.